0: Well, good morning. I am thrilled to be here with you today. The last time I was here was when the wrong window came, um, when, it, when it was not working well, didn't fit, and they had to send it back. So I'm glad to be here and to see that Good Shepherd window in good form. I wanted to start this morning. Um, I've got a little, little game I want to play, and I, um, I want to say up front that I am not a mentalist. So I'm not trying to do anything like that, uh, but I want to thank, you know, I noticed that you, you filled in the, the pews like good Episcopalians, uh, back to front, right? You come in early so you can get the good seats in the back, and then you wind up, somebody has to sit up front, and that's you. So welcome. Uh, now, have we met before? No. We have not met before. I'm Tim. What's your... Ashley. Ashley, I'm, I'm going to just, knowing only your name and that you're here on a Sunday morning, I'm going to make a few guesses about you. I'm going to suggest that your favorite color is purple, that your favorite food is pasta, okay? And your favorite movie is Sleepless in Seattle. You've never seen it. What's your favorite movie? Star Wars. All right. Well, good. Okay. Well, well. Thank you for playing along, Ashley. I do appreciate that. But I, I want you to notice how how I kind of went about that. I saw Ashley, and then I, I you know, I can perceive her that she's a, a, a young woman, and and um, and she's in church on a Sunday morning, those sorts of things. But I didn't know anything about her until I asked her her name. Now, the way that we engage life is. Primarily through our five senses, that we, we have our sight, we have our sound, and, and, and taste, touch, and smell, and all those things. And, and so we receive the world, it comes into our brains that way. But then we've got to take that information and process it. And in the processing of it, we st- always start working in some assumptions and some speculations, right? And you know those can be dangerous, it really can't function very well if we aren't trying to make some sense of the world as it is as we go along. But it's not until I actually start to speak with Ashley that I start to really learn something about who she is. This is important. Remember, when you're out there on the road and they've cut you off, you don't really know anything about that person. So don't don't get too mad. Uh, they could be in a big hurry. You don't know. But but the... the uh, The thing is that once we start talking, then I can learn her name, start learning a little bit about her history, that she loves Star Wars, as I do, and my kids and everything. So so then we have a basis that we can actually start to form some form of, of relationship. And that's the way life is. It's also the way that our faith is. Now, we can perceive a lot of things about God. I mean, when we open our eyes and we look around at this creation, this world around us there 's all manner of things that 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 speak about God to us. I, I came here this morning and uh, it was a beautiful morning it 's still you know early enough in the summertime weather that it wasn 't already hot and uh, so it was clear and sunny and i 'm looking at the beautiful chapel and I, I as I was standing over there by the historic chapel, I looked out and I saw some some berries that were on the, uh, the top of the breezeway there. And I, oh, there must be a camphor tree. And I turn around, there's the camphor tree. So I'm just kind of engaging all of this. And then there was a man, Howard Sims, who was standing there waiting for the bell to ring. And, and I and I spoke to Howard. and And so I'm engaging this campus, this place of good shepherd. And I'm starting to get a feel for it. We perceive. Something is simple. Let's say you're going along and you see a a wildflower on the ground coming up through a crack in the sidewalk. Now, there might be a plastic bottle next to it, and you immediately know something's right about this or something wrong about that. You take that little wildflower, and you start to examine it, and you look very closely at it. You take a magnifying glass, and you look closer at it still. Then maybe you you bring out a, a magnifying glass, and you start looking deeply into that flower. The longer and deeper you look at it, the more beautiful it becomes. And you, you start to see the intricacies of all that there is there. And you think, wow, I am seeing the fingerprints of God. Right? And you, you, and that's the way it is. You know, We can see God in literally everything, in the wondrous majesty of nature all around us. And, and, the, and, and you look out into the depths of the cosmos and we see the majesty of God. And of course... From the dawn of humanity, people have looked at the world that way, looked at the creation that way, and and started to think about what God must be like. I mean, you look at the countless stars, you look at the power of a thunderstorm, you look at the, 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 the breadth of the ocean, and you get a sense of God's majesty and His power you think, what kind of mind must God have to have created all of that wondrous cosmos and the intricacies of this little wildflower? Right? But we can only get so far with the speculation. And the witness of our faith is this, that God, like we do with each other, has revealed himself to us. That he has been in dialogue with his people from the beginning. And that dialogue took a particular shape in his revelation to the people of Israel, to Abraham and, and so forth and so on. And carrying up to the point where he revealed himself in the person of his son and then in the person of the Holy Spirit. That's our testimony about God. I mean, we can look out and we can see all these things about God, but I would put it to you this way What's most reliable in trying to understand God? The fact that we see God in you fill in the blank, or the thoughts that then come into our minds because of the things that we perceive, or the testimony as to the way, testimony that God has shown himself. And so the testimony of the church is not based primarily in the observation and speculation but in revelation. Now of course we do perceive God in all the world like anyone else. In fact, one of the things that I really love about our Episcopal Anglican tradition is we don't fear science, we don't fear art, we don't fear history. We can look at literally every aspect of the universe around us and, and see the hand of God in all of its wondrous ways. We really can, and we embrace that. In, in our tradition, the pursuit of God is the pursuit of truth, so we literally have nothing to fear in seeking Him in every way. And in thinking about that. But the core of our faith. Is rooted. In God's revelation of himself to humanity. Now that revelation comes to us in in different ways. One of the ways that the revelation comes to us. Is through his word. Through holy scripture. That's how we have that record of his revelation to Israel. And so on. But if you read. The Bible, even though we see evidence of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit there, the word Trinity never appears in the Bible. That's simply a label that the early church fathers used to try to describe, to think through the ways that God had revealed himself. And that witness brought through Scripture to the Father and to Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes from those particular moments when they they came into focus. We touch on it literally every week. We proclaim it, of course, in our Nicene Creed. It's all throughout our Eucharistic prayer. And our prayers typically include Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We also have it in the ongoing life of the church. And we look at Holy Scripture. You don't normally think about Jesus being in the Old Testament, do you? But, as Christians, with the knowledge of Christ and looking at the Old Testament in hindsight, we see Him. Remember at the very beginning, the beginning of Genesis, when God begins to create everything, how does He create? He speaks. He says, let there be light. And as we see in John's Gospel, it's that... The Word was with God. The Word was God from that beginning. And we see that, that, that Word and that wisdom of God manifest throughout the Old Testament. We heard it this morning in, in that passage from Proverbs. We talked about wisdom. And so we understand that that's representative of that second person of the Trinity that came into the world in the person of Jesus. Likewise, the Holy Spirit, going back again to the very beginning with Genesis, The Spirit of God is hovering over the waters at the dawn of creation. And that Spirit of God, we see testimony being laid on the patriarchs and on on Moses. And then when Moses commissions, uh, needs help in in managing all the people, and God commissions other people to help him, he says, I will take a portion of the Spirit that was laid upon you and lay it upon them. And it's there throughout the wisdom literature as well, in the Psalms and the Proverbs. And it carries on to the prophets being anointed by the Holy Spirit, the kings of Israel... And in both of those cases, you know, we see Jesus come incarnate into the world, right? And then we see him walk among us in his miracles, his teachings, his death, his resurrection and ascension. And you remember the Holy Spirit is there too when Jesus is baptized. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove. And as he's going on, he commissions his disciples to go and he puts a portion of his spirit on them. And you remember the night of that first Easter when he greets the disciples in the upper room? He breathes the Spirit onto them, just as he had promised would come. But then it takes on a different character on the day of Pentecost, which we celebrated last week, that it comes as tongues of fire. And that's what drives them out to share the good news, the gospel, in all the world. Remember that up until that moment, the entire salvation history of Israel is a profound witness to the one true living God. And the Jewish people, they were scattered throughout the ancient world. They were merchants and traders and artisans of, of all stripes out in the world. But they had never spread that faith beyond themselves. And it's through Jesus that the Lord brings true His prophecy To Abraham, that through you I would bless all nations. So we see that Trinity is resident in everything from the beginning. But it's not just in Scripture. We see it in the ongoing life of the church. We gather as a body of Christ. We know that the Lord has promised that whenever two or three are gathered together in His name, He will be in the midst of them. And so here we are. And people will testify to that, that wonder of Christ being among us, to being able to see Christ literally in each other, whether it's in the eyes of a child or the, 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 the shake of a hand of an elderly person, whatever it may be, we know that He's with us. And likewise, the Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit alive and well in the way that He inspires us. I would not be standing here today except that about 18 years ago, I was a CPA and I just made partner in the firm and I was in my dream house and I'm raising my kids and and, and we're having a great life together and the Holy Spirit drove me into ministry as a vocation. And people will testify to that same sense of call and being driven by the Holy Spirit. I know there is a long and deep history of healing ministry. I see St. Luke's medallion on you, sir. Uh, that, that the healing ministry is a big part of Church of the Good Shepherd, right? And so with that comes a stream of testimony as to the active power of the healing power of the Holy Spirit that is working in and among you and through you. That's our testimony, that is our witness to the activity of God among us in that trinity of persons, in that unity of being. And in that revelation of God, which is ongoing, there is relationship. Now, I will confess to you that I actually try to avoid using the word God when I'm talking about God. I've been doing it a lot up to this point, but why do I avoid it? Does anybody here have a cat? I'll, what? What? What's your? Melissa. Your name is Melissa. Yeah. Does your cat have a name? Mystique. Mystique. Aha, I get that. <laughs> not yet. But the. Okay. So you have a. But you don't call Mystique cat. No, because no, cat's what Mystique is. It's not a name that. You have a relationship with your cat, right? I mean, it's probably a little funky, but, but you have it. Anybody have a dog? What's your dog's name? Now, Ruger, and Sugar. Ruger and Sugar. But you don't just call them dog. Dog one and dog two. All right? Right. And by the same token, um, yeah, no one ever calls their cat, cat, or their dog, dog. Not unless you're mad. And no one ever calls me priest. Even though that is what I am, they call me Tim. They call me Father Tim. They call me Canon Tim. Whatever, I don't care. And when I go home, you know, I've got three older boys that are kind of college age and, and, and grown and gone and up, you know. I've got a 16 year old daughter, and she is the princess, right? And and she's a benevolent ruler, so it's okay. Um, But when I go home today, I don't want my daughter to call me priest or man or even really Tim. I want her to call me daddy or dad or father because that's our relationship. And God desires that sort of relationship with us. This is where the Trinity, which is a a concept of our minds, becomes real. It's where the Lord's revelation becomes real relationship. We know God as Father not to bolster an ancient patriarchal system, but as loving creator of all things including, specifically, every one of us. We exist because of His love. And we know God as Jesus Christ, His Son who walked among us, who clarified our call, and and by His death and resurrection, opened to us to be the adopted children of God. Jesus died to redeem all of us from our sin for the sake of reconciling us to God and while we were yet sinners. And Jesus is with us even now as he promised whenever two or three or more are gathered together in his name. And we know God as Holy Spirit who moves among us as powerfully as wind and animates us as subtly as breath. There's a single word in Greek that is used for breath, for wind, and for spirit. It's pneuma. So if you ever used a pneumatic tool, you know, it's run by compressed air, right? Or if you've ever suffered or had someone you know suffered pneumonia, that's a disease of the not being unable to breathe, Right? And, um, and it's also, there's also one word in Hebrew, it's ruach. Uh, we don't use that unless you've got something just caught in the back of your throat. But that's the way that God moves among us, as, as wind and like breath. One of the things I love to do every summer, in fact I put it in my contract, is that I, I go and I spend a week as a chaplain at Camp Wingman. I've done that every year since 2004. My, my first year I did it with Tony Clark, Gloria's husband. And, um, and one of the things I get to do while I'm down there is they have a, a small fleet of sunfish sailing boats, six or seven of these sunfish. And one of the activities that the kids get to do is go out sailing. And because I know how to sail, I get to be one of the ones that they turn to and say, you know, Father Tim, can you take the kids out? So I do. And I want to share with you what I share with the kids when we're out on the water together. It's this. We're out on the water, and of course, I've got to be managing the sail and the rudder. Now that's work. It's not a lot of work. But it's the wind that's really propelling us along. And I liken that to them as the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God doesn't really need our help. He's God, after all. But for his own purposes, he invites us to have a role in the ways that he works in our lives. In other words, God, uh, being all-powerful, he doesn't compel us to follow him. He invites us to follow him. And so I liken that to the tending of the sail and of the rudder. And so when we're in that mode of of responding to God's invitation, then we've got the opportunity to kind of catch that wind of the Holy Spirit and have the Holy Spirit propelling us throughout our lives in all that we undertake. And if we aren't paying attention and we kind of let the sail go and, and we don't take care of the rudder, it's pretty easy to fall out of that wind. But it's always there. And he's waiting for us to catch it again. And where is that wind propelling us? It's propelling us, as Jesus promised, into all truth. And what is all truth? But the Lord God, our Father, himself. And so understand that that is the journey that we are on. And it's by following Christ, he's our He's our marking point to get to our destination. And it's the breath of God, that Holy Spirit of God, that propels us to Him. And because of that witness that's been handed on to us through Holy Scripture and through the life and the work and the ministry of the church, we are blessed to have this faith. Faith in the power of knowing Christ's victory for us. And knowing that the Holy Spirit is propelling us into all truth about Jesus' Jesus' promises which give us the strength and hope to endure the hardships of this life. Remember that the Apostle Paul, when he was going all around his known world sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, he ran into every obstacle you could almost possibly imagine. I mean, he was shipwrecked, he got bit by a snake, he, he got arrested, he got beaten, he got run out of his own synagogues, and he suffered all manner of insults and mind, All along the way, imprisonment and so forth, and with all of that in mind, he never swayed from what the Holy Spirit was propelling him to do. It got him through all of those trials, and even through his own death his martyr's death for the faith. And with that in mind, I want to look again at what he wrote from prison. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. Character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Now, I hope and pray that at some point you might wrestle with the concept of the Holy Trinity. It's a tough one. And Christians have been wrestling with it for centuries upon centuries. But the understanding is a separate thing from that relationship. I hope and pray that you to make sure that you're catching that Holy Spirit and responding to God's invitation to let Him bless and guide you through all the trials that you face and that in your suffering, in your endurance, you be blessed and guided by the hope of God's call upon you. Amen.